You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Working my mean muscles. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. One of the articles I read, they called it Bulls Traveling Cocaine Circus. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> Accurate? Uh... All right, very important question off of the last dance last night, which, by the way, the ratings are out. It crushed 6 million viewers. Good Lord. An average of 6 million viewers throughout the two hours. What does a primetime football game get? Just for comparison's sake. I think, maybe Jonathan can look that up. I think I'd be curious like, to know. Like eight? Okay. Like I mean, it should have crushed. It was great. It was the highest rated documentary ESPN has ever put out because, number one, everyone's just sitting at home waiting for something yeah. interesting to come out. Uh, but also because it was compelling. What do you guys think Michael Jordan was drinking in that documentary last night? It looked, it looked, it like, whiskey? A, it looked like a whiskey. It looked like a whiskey with one giant ice cube in it. Which, by the way... Oh, I didn't see the ice. Yeah, so, okay. I want one of those, I want one of those ice molds. I like the I like like the ones that are like it's like a giant ball. It's like a it's like a yeah. globe. I don't I've got know. one of those. You do. I've got three different kinds of ice oh. molds at home. I've got the block. I've got the circle, and I've got one that is just like a it's like a skeleton head, mm-hmm. like a Halloween kind of a thing. It's very. So bro-y. It looks like a skeleton head it's in very your bro-y drink. Idea. Which that, one do you like? The most? I am very broy. <laughs> What's Does your that favorite? Come with an affliction tea. My favorite flavor of ice cube. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your, your favorite no, shape? General your flavor. favorite shaped ice cube. Oh, oh my them. favorite the shape. Yeah. The block. I like the block. Okay. I like the block. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So before we dive all into the last dance, and we have a couple. Judd has a great idea and a great parallel to a Minnesota sports team of prominence too. We have to make the announcement here. Two cool things on Score North this week. And a third cool thing that we'll unveil a little bit later in the hour uh, as it pertains to Mackie and Jeb with Rami, but this week on Score North, 36 hours of Purple Talk, 36 straight hours of Purple Talk starting at 11 a.m. on Wednesday and running all the way through the first round of the NFL Draft on Thursday. We are all in here with 36 straight hours of Purple right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the Score North app if you want the full schedule. I know that Seth tweeted it out at Score North. You can also find it on our Instagram account and our Facebook page. We've got the full schedule for all 36 hours, but it's a combination of draft-intensive discussion. Uh, we've got some new Rewind episode material lined up as well for you guys. So we're all in. I know that it's sort of crazy times here, and we thank the NFL for continuing forward with whatever this Zoom draft is going to look like on Thursday. They ran a simulation of it today that was a train wreck that we'll talk about. The other cool thing we're unveiling at Score North this week, the Draft K 1K giveaway. We're giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts who the Purple will select with their first pick in the draft, whenever that may be. 
maybe they trade all their picks and they maybe they trade like all their first, second, third, fourth round picks for star players and they don't draft till the sixth round. Whoever their first pick is in the draft, we're going to award a thousand dollars to somebody who can correctly predict who that is. Entering is very easy. Open the Score North app or download it if you don't have it. Register, enter through listener rewards in the menu. And then you can just enter the player you think will be drafted. So 36 hours of Purple Talk this week. It's going to be a blast. And the Draft Day 1K giveaway, all kinds of information. Just follow Score North on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, gentlemen. It's a big week. That's awesome. Yes. Big week. 36 hours. That's Put some extra coffee that's, on. That's lots of shifts for somebody. I think it's lots of shifts for all of us yeah, if I you start to all, do the math. Have you looked at the schedule, Judd? We're all, we're all working a little more this week. Oh, I, I asked for, for uh, the... Uh, Weekend off because I enjoy the draft so much. Deni- just, to, denied. just to sit there and watch the draft, Rami. I like to watch the draft. Denied. I like to participate from home by trying to hack into it. So, which, by the way, someone's going to try and do. And I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting a twenty five percent on somebody hacking in. It'll be hilarious if that happens. It might be less. It, it might be fifteen, but something's going to happen. Well, we'll get to a few train wreck related stories later on in the show here, but. Every single Monday the last couple weeks, and this is going to be just a fun recurring theme on Mondays on Mackie and Jeb with Rami, we go through various alternative or alternate realities that, for instance, if the Vikings would have won the 2009 NFC Championship game last week, we went over that scenario. What would have happened? Brad Childress would have become this, uh, this coach that we probably have to put on a pedestal because he would have won the Vikings for a Super Bowl. So here's the alternate reality. All right, we have a few, actually. Rami and I have put our heads together with a few of these. Let's start with this one, okay? Off of the last dance last night. What if Jerry Krause hadn't broken up the Bulls in 1998? So the Bulls, they won, so they they won, they won they three straight titles, with or without having broken up. We yep. knew that. But Michael Jordan was 34 years old. Scottie Pippen was 32. Phil Jackson obviously had a ton of juice left because he went on to the Lakers a couple years later. Mm-hmm. What would have happened? What are all the things that would have taken place? How would history have been different if Jerry Krause and his ego didn't get involved and they would have continued to roll it on forward with the Chicago Bulls, 1998-99 season, 99-2000, et cetera, et cetera? They seemed un- unbeatable to me. But I, I, was, I was in the middle of, of – I was in the eye of the storm, so to speak, guys. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up with Michael Jordan – being immortal, and then once they started winning championships, the Bulls just seemed unbeatable. But that was, like I said, from the eye of the storm, looking out, I might have been overestimating how good they were or how much time that they had left. I may be underestimating what was going on elsewhere around the NBA and how good teams were or how good teams that were being built ended up being. But I I believe that there was at least one maybe two more championships in in that group of guys coached by Phil Jackson with some tweaks. I don't know I don't know how much Dennis Rodman necessarily had left both in terms of his playing days and in terms of the uh what's what's the scale that you use Mackey when you're talking about the talent to baggage ratio the talent to baggage ratio. I don't I don't know if he was reaching the end of his shelf life. Rodman was gone. He would have so, been gone probably. So so tweaks to the roster but Pippen Rodman Jordan or excuse me Pippen Jordan and Phil Jackson I think that trio had at least one, maybe two more titles left in them. But again, that that could be my bias speaking. That could be my 
my my knowledge of the Bulls and and lack thereof relative to the Bulls of of the rest of the NBA. But I think there was at least one, maybe two more titles in that team if they don't break it up. Why on earth didn't Reinsdorf fire Kraus, choose Jackson, who would have kept Jordan and Pippen? Uh, Phil Phil at that time was a very with it dude, so he he would have certainly jettisoned the Rodmans of the world. Why didn't Reinsdorf? who I think is a cutthroat businessman, so I'm not saying he's a good guy, but I don't think he's a dumb guy across the board, and he certainly didn't come off as a dumb guy in the first two parts of The Last Dance last night. Rami, why didn't he just choose Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan and say, Jerry, it's been fun, you're a, you're a great little rotund guy who's built a nice roster, <laughs> and now it's done. I think, Jerry, you're right. He is a cutthroat businessman, but I think something that supersedes that sometimes, Judd, and it's why John Paxson and Gar Foreman both had jobs until recently, is that Jerry Reinsdorf can be loyal to a fault. Okay. And and he seemed to be, he worked more directly and more closely with Jerry Krause than he did with Phil Jackson and the rest of those guys. And I also think that he thinks, he thinks Jerry Krause and thought Jerry Krause was right when it comes to some of the disagreements and, and the sticking points that Krause had with Scottie Pippen, with Phil Jackson, with Michael Jordan. I think Reinsdorf sided with Jerry Reinsdorf, some out of loyalty and some out of just what he thought were principles and what he thought was right when you talk about the disagreements and the sticking points between the two sides there. See, I think the ages of the players involved are so interesting and in that Scottie Pippen was 32 years old, Michael Jordan was 34, Robin was older than both. Robin was like 36 or 37, I want to say, at the end of that Bulls run and still... Wound up going to the Lakers for a minute, I believe, and then Dallas. Like he still bounced around a little bit. But if LeBron James and Kobe Bryant can still be as good as they were at 34, 35, Kobe tore his Achilles. And so yeah, who but knows? Collar brought up a good point today on Score North Live. By the way, that's weekdays, noon to two. It's me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities. You can listen to it anytime you want, scorenorth.com, and the totally, totally free Score North app. Still free, right? Still a free app. We didn't put anything as behind of, the paywall. As of this week. All right, so go and check that out. We've come a long way in the last 20-plus years in terms of sports science and rehabilitation and rest and recovery and Mm -hmm. and everything that goes into extending the career, extending the shelf life of of professional athletes. So to compare Michael at 34 to LeBron at 34, I don't know is necessarily a, a fair comparison when you talk about where their bodies were at and how much they had left in them. Sure, but at 34, Michael Jordan was averaging almost 30 points a game, six rebounds, his efficiency wasn't quite the same as it was maybe five or six years earlier. He was only shooting 46% from the field instead of like 54, 55%. But he was playing almost 40 minutes. So to that point, in today's NBA, if you had that version of Michael Jordan at age 34, you would have scaled his minutes from like 39 and by the way, he played and started all 82 games in that 97-98 season. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't big into R&R, was he? He wasn't, wasn't a big load management guy, as evidenced by the, uh, the, the, the second Rocco year minutes restriction. Rocco would not have liked Jordan. Rocco Baldelli would have been like, dude, you're off my team. Right. But if, time. if he played in today's NBA, he's not playing 82 games at age 35, trying, you know, trying to get a fourth straight championship. So I think the question would have been, in 1998-99-2000, could you have come to some sort of agreement with Michael? Listen, man, like the goal is championships. We're gonna we're gonna need you to play seventy to seventy five games at thirty two minutes instead of thirty nine, or would he have freaked out? But that involves Kraus being gone, right? I, I think the key thing here was the Pippen 
and Jackson and Jordan were done with Krause. Now, the weird thing, and Rami, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I remember um, being just a fan in the 90s and reading Jerry Krause, if I'm not mistaken, started to pave the way by publicly sort of talking about when Jordan was done much earlier than that. And it felt like he was always like, well, this is going to be the next incarnation of the Bulls. It's going to be this. And you said to yourself, dude, you've got a transcendent player, one of the greatest players of all time. He might be the greatest, but he's certainly one of. And, and at that time, he was. And so what I never got was it sort of almost seemed like it got put in Jerry Reinsdorf's mind that eventually they were going to flip the page, which is fine if Jordan's 37, right? But the whole thing of this notion of, you know, when Michael, I think it was probably Michael was around 30 or 31, it, it was it was very backwards Farvinian of talking about when Jordan is gone of the Bulls. And I think that was because, and they, they touched on this, not not as it relates to the point you're making right now, Judd, but I think it relates to a point that they made in the documentary last night, which was that Krause never felt like he got the credit for putting together yeah. the team, and he knew that the only way he was going to be recognized... Well, actually, I don't even think this is the truth, so I'm not going to say he knew. I'm going to say he thought in his head the only way he would be recognized as the great GM and roster constructor that he was was if he did it after Michael left. So I think he was trying to get there sooner so he could start making his yeah. mark and getting his recognition <laughs> Which is, and his credit. Think but, about but, that. Okay, but let's back up a second. I mean, and I think I get the word we're arguing with like something so illogical... You were the general manager. Wait, correct me if I'm wrong. He drafted Michael Jordan, right? No. Okay. Rod Thorne drafted Michael Jordan. So that's where the inferiority complex yes. comes from, right? He didn't draft Michael Jordan. Yep. And so therefore, he drafted Pippen. So he drafted Pippen. Or he got. They Scotty made the, the trade, trade for Scottie Pippen. Yes. So because Jerry, so this is the logic, right? So Jerry Krause, because he can't say that he drafted Michael Jordan, always felt like it wasn't his construction, and. It well, led to the early dismantling of and then the greatest team of all time. He hired Phil, but but then Phil became more popular and got more credit. So yeah, he I hired Phil as an assistant. Yeah, and then but then Phil got the job. Yeah, but the thing that makes no sense is, and I get it with egos and sports and all those things. But when you think about it, you've built this juggernaut, incredible team, and and there's always going to be friction. But why you wouldn't make another run or two? Like, did you did you really think if Jerry Krause, who's now passed, but if he had any common sense at all, did he really think, you know what, Jordan's gone, and I just hired Tim Floyd, and this is really going to work well, yeah. Rami? This he is going to this. I hey, know, but no, think Judd, about he that. did think he, about that. He really thought that that he really thought that was the case. Oh, there's no there's no doubt in my mind. He really thought that that was the case that he could do this. Again. What were you thinking as a Bulls fan when this? Not now. At that time, what's going through your mind as a big fan of this team? I was losing my damn mind. Yeah, I was like, "How I do you? Imagine. How do you? How do you let this fall apart? How do you? How do you let this slip through your fingers? The greatest team ever assembled in the history of your sport, and you're going to let it fall apart? And like, I get, and I don't know that I necessarily looked at it this way as a 17, 18 year old kid, whatever I was when when this was all going on. But in hindsight, I kind of get where everybody was coming from. Jerry Reinsdorf really should have been the one yeah. to step in 
and and make everyone get on the same page. I I get why Jerry Krause acted the way that he did, especially when you look at the way that Pippen and Jordan treated him in that documentary, and I think we only got a small taste of that yesterday. I get where he was coming from. I definitely get where MJ was coming from. I definitely get where Scotty and Phil... I get where everybody is coming from and why they butted heads. Jerry Reinsdorf, and to his credit, he did step in and negotiate a one-year deal to keep Phil Jackson around for that, that last dance. But he, I think he, he could have played a bigger hand and just stepped in and said, look, Jerry, you've, you've done your job of putting together the major pieces of this. I'm going to handle, I'm going to handle Phil. I'm going to handle Michael. I'm going to handle Scotty. You handle putting together the rest of the roster. Don't worry about Scotty. Don't worry about Phil. Don't worry about Michael. I got that. You go put the players that you think you should put around them and I'll handle the dirty work. I'll, I want all this drama removed. And I'm stepping in to remove it myself. See, I am. I'm so fascinated. If if all of that had happened, and they had found a way going into 1999, 2000, let's say, as long as you kept Phil Jackson as the coach, Michael Jordan, as he said in the documentary last night, the only coach he wanted to play for was Phil Jackson. So if Phil's out, then I'm out. And you're going into a lockout shortened 1999 season, so like not not a ton of wear and tear. They did have they did have stretches where they'd play three games in three nights, if I remember that season. Yeah, but played about 50 games that year. But it wasn't an 82 game schedule, so you could have preserved something in the regular season then. And then the Eastern Conference was an absolute. It's the worst the Eastern Conference has maybe ever been in like the early 2000s, with the Pacers coming out and going to a finals at one point and. That Knicks team with like Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston, I think. Like those were not NBA Finals caliber was teams. Was that a Knicks Spurs final in 1999? Okay. Yes, in yeah. the in the lockout shortened season. That was some unattractive so basketball. You could have coasted if you're the Bulls. You could have coasted through some regular seasons, and maybe you still run into that Spurs team in 1999 in the finals. And you know, who knows what happens? Yeah. Rookie but team actually, that that 99 season, like when you're talking about an aging team. That played right into the Bulls' hands. Like, like Michael was correct. I know thirty-four doesn't seem as old now, or seem as old, yeah, now as it did then. But he was getting into the golden years of his career, so to speak. A shortened, a strike-shortened season was perfect for that Bulls team to make one more run at it. When you think about and it, and then the following season, you might say, yeah, but then. Right, but then the Lakers dynasty started. Ah, it started in large part because Phil Jackson came in and molded all of those yes. guys to get on the same page. So if you would have kept it together, it's very unlikely that the Lakers would have turned into the dynasty they did so early in Kobe's career because there might not have been a coach to get Kobe and Shaq A on the same page and to B get as much out of Kobe as Phil did. I did like it. They'd it, still it be making altered. rap songs about each other. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. If Phil never steps in, they're still having a rap battle to this day. <laughs> and, Probably. And plus, so if Jordan or Pippen alone didn't like Krause, right? Then you say it's more on the player that he doesn't like, Jerry Krause. But when you have your two star players, absolute star players, mocking your GM, if you own that team, don't you sit down at your big desk and think in your head, this might be a GM problem here. Like, this is, like, they're actively mocking Krause. And in Jordan's case, clearly had been for years, right? Judd, the whole league has been mocking John Paxson and Gar Foreman for 15 yeah. years no, and now, and he's stuck I get with what them. You, I, get, I get your point, but my point is, it really is incredible that nobody got to Reinsdorf at that time and said, Jerry, 
Just make a change at GM. For all I care at that point, put Phil in charge. But to your guys' point, that's going to allow us to get into the early 2000s, at which point, you know, you can tear down and reassess. But when you have your two-star players mocking your chief executive, I think that becomes a problem with said executive more so than the two-star players. Can you imagine being so good at your job and having so much clout that you can openly clown your boss in front of all the fellow employees? <laughs> you can make fat jokes. Those diet pills? Short are those jokes. Di- are those diet pills? Short pills or diet pills? <laughs> and yell at so him bad. from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. <laughs> what a so clown bad. he is and how much you hate him. Can you imagine being that good at your job? That's, I don't, I mean, I, I've only had one boss in my radio career who I would have done that to, but, and it's not you, Mac, you don't worry about it. Uh, I've only had one boss Thanks in my radio career who I would do that to, but man, that would be, that would be a good feeling to just know you're that untouchable, wouldn't it? The fact that it's like Scotty Pippen also felt that untouchable right. is amazing, yeah. you know? And more empowered because he made, he right. was like the 120th paid player in the NBA, but. What's next? But okay, here's the next yeah. alternate reality, okay? All right. If. Jerry Krause or whoever would have been running the Bulls had decided, all right, let's let's keep this thing together, but with Scottie Pippen's contract coming to an end, and maybe they would have had to do this before the ninety seven ninety eight season because Scottie Pippen was going to be a free agent after that season's over. So if you're going to trade Scottie Pippen, would there have been a way to to reconfigure that roster so that Michael Jordan can stay the centerpiece, Phil Jackson can stay the coach, but you can bring in some younger mid-20s, or even younger blood to put around him. I have two names I'm going to throw at you guys. Mm-hmm. Names that were thrown around in Scottie Pippen trade rumors. At least one I know is confirmed. The other I remember, and my brother tells me I was wrong. We were having this discussion this morning. That's what made me think of this alternate reality. There were Scottie Pippen for Tracy McGrady talks. Wow. That is a fact. Wow. Those reports are out there. You before can, the before fact, the second three-peat? Yes. In fact... Tracy said on the jump today that it went so far, the Bulls flew him in for a physical. What? So it was basically, it was done, and Jordan killed it. Jordan killed the Tracy McGrady. Jordan killed the deal. Because he felt so comfortable with Scottie Pippen. But they gave him a physical in Chicago. So at the time, Tracy, this is where I don't don't necessarily disagree with Jordan, because at the time of this, Tracy McGrady was like 18 or 19 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And was not, he became a scoring champion at 23 and that was 2002, 2003. By that point, Jordan was was gone from his Wizards. I think that was like the end of his Wizards run. So that age gap, that sounds really interesting. Oh, my God, what if you paired Tracy McGrady with Michael Jordan? But like a 19-year-old Tracy McGrady with a 34-year-old Michael Jordan compared to a 31-year-old okay, experienced Scottie Pippen? This is, the Jor- this is the Jordan stand in me talking, all right? I'm fully going to admit that. Playing next to Michael Jordan and for Phil Jackson would have accelerated his development compared to what he was playing with and for in Toronto. Not to say he would have been a scoring champion mm-hmm. at 19 or 20, but I think that, not to take anything away from Scotty, but I think the reason Scotty got to the level that he did and as fast as he did was he was playing with the greatest player ever who pushed him and for maybe the greatest coach ever who pushed him and knew how to get the best out of him. You bring Tracy McGrady into that same situation with those same things that I just said, I think it accelerates the development of Tracy McGrady, and he reaches his peak sooner, earlier in his career than he ended up doing. And I wish we had an apples-to-apples, because Kobe Bryant spent, I think, two or three years before Phil Jackson came along 
And so it's hard to say, well, I mean, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant took off around 2021, and that's when Phil came in. He came into the league when he was 17 or 18 years mm-hmm. old. Do you have a second name? I do have a second name. And my brother tells me this is, this is not true, that this was just an NBA live trade that I made and have since made it real in my head. <laughs> but I swear, I swear that there were talks of Scottie Pippen. Reckless speculation. For Sean Kemp. Oh, you know what? I I read that. Really? I read that like last night. Somebody wrote that. No, was it was it, was it was it that's Rami true. And his, no, his, <laughs> no, 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 no. Somebody, no, no, no. I read that. No, I read it last night, and it was not Rami on Twitter. No, you're right. There was talk. See, I thought so. Manchild and, and Sean Kemp at the time. Oh, Sean Kemp, man, was such a stud back then. He was like 27 or 28. Pretty this, fat, Sean Kemp. Oh yeah. Remember in the lockout when Sean Kemp came back, looking like Buster well, Douglas. He was big, but he yeah. wasn't completely fat yet. Would he have been any different? Like, would Jordan have made him not fat in the offseason? Might have yelled at him enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's younger than Scottie Pippen. So I mean, MJ would have ran him out of practice if he showed up fat after the lockout. I can guarantee you that. I don't know if he could have stopped him from <laughs> so getting how, fat, but he would have ran his fat butt right out of practice and quick. How, how long was uh, Kemp still an effective player for after 90, I think that I think that... That lockout season where he showed up out Just of shape him. and heavy was it was all downhill from there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was. It's funny because the lockout season that we speak of ninety eight ninety nine was actually his best scoring year. He did average twenty point five points per game for Cleveland his second year in Cleveland, but it was all downhill from there. Like just a total disaster once he hit age thirty thirty one thirty two, and then he was just out of the league at thirty two thirty three years old. So in general, Rami, what does it feel like? You grew up a Bulls fan. You grew up a diehard Michael Jordan fan. And last night, you got to see this behind-the-scenes look at probably your favorite team growing up, right? Like, what what was it like to watch that flushed out I didn't, in depth like it was? Flushed down the toilet eventually. <laughs> I didn't learn a lot. Like, there weren't a lot of... And it's only two parts of a 10-part series. So I'm not that's, not... that's not a knock. I'm sure there will be things that I learned. Um, Scotty... And his family background, the fact that his brother and his father were disabled early in Scotty's life, and he kind of had to take a, a man of the house role from a very early age. I didn't know that, and that kind of that that adds up. It it makes sense that he would take the contract that people were telling him not to take because he just wanted security and long term financial security for his family because that was the role that he was in and he saw an opportunity to do that. So I thought that shed a little bit of, of light on on that whole situation. Um other than that, it was just for it stirred up a lot of a lot of feelings of nostalgia for me, Mackie. Told you guys last night on the happy hour that we did, and folks can go back and watch that, right? Is that on our YouTube page, Mackie? Where is that at? The happy uh, hour did we post it that? is yes okay. it's on it's on the YouTube page that uh, you can find I think as the pinned tweet on at Phil Mackey right now there was there was something about going to games in those days and this is what it stirred up in me that was even though basketball was my third favorite sport is to this day and I went to Cubs games all the time because you could find cheap seats I went to a few Bears games in my childhood we didn't have a lot of money growing up but I had a good friend at the time who's Stepdad was a big-time horse trainer at Arlington Racetrack, so, and the Reinsdorfs had horses that they ran and kept at Arlington Racetrack, so they had inns with the Reinsdorfs, and I was lucky enough to go to a bunch of games during that Jordan era, playoff games, finals games, the whole nine. And when, when I saw on TV yesterday 
the atmosphere in Chicago, especially Chicago Stadium, but also United Center later in Mike's career, there was something special. There was something in the air about going to Bulls games in those days, and that's really what it stirred up for me, to the point that I went on eBay and bought a throwback big head caricature championship bulls t-shirt <laughs> it's a cool t-shirt though it's a great t-shirt it's, cool t-shirt. it's one of my favorite t-shirts yes when i was a kid and i saw it and i was yep. like i gotta have one of those again and i immediately went on ebay and bought one of those so it's it stirred up a lot of a lot of nostalgia and feelings for me um and and the the footage all the footage that they have it gave me more of a peek like have you ever been I don't. None of us are really club guys, so I don't know if that's a great analogy. But it's the only one. I, it's the only one I can come up with. Where you're like, you're outside of some place that you want to get into, and the door keeps opening, and you get a peek inside, and you're like, oh man, that looks awesome. Yeah. And then you finally get inside, and you're like, this is everything I thought it would be. Like that's that's sort of the feeling that I got from all the footage that we got. Like we'd get peeks into what it was like to be around those Bulls teams, but with all the footage. And and what did uh, Jason Ayer, the director of this thing, when we had him on last week, how much footage did he say there was from that season in the vault that hasn't been released until now? I don't remember the exact volume of it, but... Hours and hours, but yeah, yeah. a ton. So that that stuff... High quality, too, by the way. Like I said, it's, it's, like, it's like getting a peek inside of a place you want to be in, and then finally getting in there and realizing it is everything that you thought it was. The amazing thing about the first two episodes to me last night was this. It didn't disappoint despite the hype. You think about the fact that from the day we got word that that was coming down the pike, right? Mm-hmm. And that they instead of being released in June because of the pandemic, it was going to come out in April, and the expectation... And and all day Sunday, people are tweeting constantly, five hours away, now four. That's a lot of pressure. And I watched those first two last night, and, and I swear to God, I got through two hours of that, and it felt like a half hour. It was it amazing. Lived, it lived up, at least parts one and two did, to hype that was off the charts. Gentlemen, when we come back here... So Jonathan found a story from, I think it's the Chicago Tribune, Sam Smith who was a big part, he was a major featured uh, writer Wrote in this the documentary Rose. last night. Yeah, We have the exact Scottie Pippen Sonics trade. I knew it. I'm sending this to my brother and, right now. And Scottie Pippen was also almost traded to the, I'll just say to another team. We'll unveil the details of that as well as we continue alternate reality. And and by the way, if Scottie is traded, that very well means Michael comes back, but not for the Bulls. That's another path to take down this alternate reality. Turning a guard for the Timberwolves out of North Carolina. (laughs) And what lessons do we want our Minnesota teams and players to learn from the last dance? Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. Jonathan here with the Score North download. In times like these, you may not be thinking about blood donation, but blood is needed every day by patients facing a range of serious illnesses. If you're healthy, please schedule an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or use the keyword red over at scorenorth.com. Also at scorenorth.com right now, we've got all the draft content you could be looking for that corresponds with the Vikings and their draft coming up this week. Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar have dueling columns about what the Vikings draft plans or draft strategy.
strategy on Thursday and Friday. We'll say about their plans going forward, as well as Matthew Collar taking a look at some of the mid to late round quarterbacks and whether it's worth a shot for the Vikings to take them in the draft. That's all for free over at scorenorth.com and the free scorenorth mobile app. That's been your scorenorth download. Now back to Mackie and Jonathan Rami. So many significant sporting events in Minnesota's history. Some have made us ask the question, what if? Like, what if Stefan Marbury hadn't left the Wolves? What if Gary Anderson had made that kick? Do you think Gary Anderson will make this field goal? The answer should probably be yes. 39 yards away. He is still perfect. Minnesota leads by 10. <laughs> what if there is no Minneapolis miracle? <laughs> steps into it. Passes up for grabs and picked off by Marcus Williams. Ah, yes. It's time to ask what if in Mackie, Judd, and Rami's alternate reality. Manny Hill. That's uh, that's <laughs> I've awesome, never heard right? that one. That's awesome. Well, that's new. It's because we just don't know work right, right there. That would Manny. explain why we've never heard it. I yeah, like it. It's never been. I heard. like it. A lot of great moments. A Super Bowl win by the Vikings. Very we got exciting. it right in the middle of the first segment, so I had to put it in. Nice so, work. All right. So we have two. These are two reported from the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune. Scotty Pippen trades that were very close to going down. One in 1994 and another one in 1997. Let's start with the one that we talked about here. Oh, wow. The Sonics trade was actually rumored to take place in 1994, okay. not 1997. Okay. Which I think changes a lot of things. Sean Kemp was yeah. still like prime. This is before the Sonics played the Bulls in the finals. This would have been like peak Sean Kemp. But here's the story from Sam Smith, Chicago Tribune. Scottie Pippen is still a bull, for now anyway. On an NBA draft night, as stunning as the events leading up to Wednesday, with reports that the Bulls were looking to trade their superstar, mind you, it's superstar singular because Michael Jordan had retired to play baseball by this point. Mm -hmm. This is June 30th, 1994. A proposed deal that would have sent Pippen to Seattle for Sean Kemp, Ricky Pierce, and an exchange of draft picks fell apart late in the negotiations. Quote, the deal died sometime today, a stunned Seattle coach George Carl said. I love how you just get these guys on the record in the 90s. Like Everyone just, sure, we'll talk to the newspaper. Anytime you make deals, it's always to the point of deadlines, and the negotiations are forced into decision-making. According to NBA insiders familiar with the negotiations, it was the Supersonics who killed the deal, although not their basketball staff. George Carl had pushed for the deal in hopes of breaking up his troublesome duo of Kemp and Gary Payton, and believed with a talent like Pippen, the Supersonics would be a sure contender for an NBA title next season. The funny thing is, the Bulls went on to win three consecutive championships by keeping Scottie Pippen. I don't think there's any guarantees that they would have if they would have swapped Scottie Pippen for Sean Kemp. Rami, your thoughts? Kemp was a beast, man. He was still a beast until he put on that weight. And like I said about Scottie before, no, it's not, it's not a sure thing. But playing with Michael and playing for Phil brought guys up to another level. And if Sean Kemp was already a beast in Seattle playing for George Carl and with Gary Payton, one can only imagine what he would be if he came to Chicago and played with Michael Jordan and for Phil Jackson. Did, did Scotty went out at that point in 94, or, or was that more of uh, no, Jerry Krause being preemptive? This, this went on forever. The contract. The, the, ba- the bad blood between Scotty Pippen and Jerry Krause went on forever. But it, start, it started because the contract signed in yeah. 91, right? Yeah. And he was, what, at that point, three years into a seven-year contract? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there was also, like, Scotty, 
wasn't there a thing too where Scotty like refused to come into a game during one of those playoff games against that the Magic or something? The, uh, yes. That was in the first season that MJ retired, and it was a last second play. And Phil in the huddle drew up the the play to go to Tony Kukoc yeah. for the game winning shot, and Scotty refused to go in the game and put a towel over his head because he wanted the game winning shot. Yeah, and that and that would have been literally like two months before this rumored trade came out. But that's not all. All right, so this is from 1997, and one of our Twitter followers here, uh, Kevin, tweets this in. One of the storylines that got people on Twitter talking about was Krause tried to trade Pippen after championship number five. What were the offers? Well, I recall the Celtics were actually the team that got the closest to trading for Pippen right after the Bulls had won the championship in 1997, their fifth championship. These are the details from the New York Times on a Celtics trade that came close. Mm -hmm. A frantic night of trade talks throughout the NBA led to one very interesting possibility involving the Bulls' Scottie Pippen. Those close to the situation said Boston coach Rick Pitino at the time was mulling a deal in which he would send his team's third and sixth overall picks in tonight's draft to Chicago for Scottie Pippen and center Luke Longley. So this would have been with one year left on Pippen's deal. And this is the time that would have made sense, right? If you felt like, all right, we've won five championships. We've got to either pay Scottie Pippen or find some trade partner so that we don't just... But Jerry Krause came to the conclusion that let's just run it back one more time with Phil, with Scotty, and then all, and then everyone's just going to be gone anyways. Right. But here are some of the draft picks. So Tim Duncan went number one overall in that draft. But if you had the third and the sixth picks, and Keith Van Horn went number two, Boston wound up selecting Chauncey Billups. They didn't really do anything with him. Later on, he became a star with Detroit. Antonio Daniels, who was a pretty good big guy, for a few years, if I remember right, in the uh, like late 90s, early 2000s. Tim Thomas, solid big guy. Tracy McGrady went ninth. And so knowing that the Bulls already liked That's Tracy McGrady, yep. he probably would have just been drafted by the Bulls in this case. Other guys in the mix, this wasn't a great draft, but uh, later on, Bobby Jackson, I think, would have been a good player for the Bulls. He went to Seattle. Uh, but it was mostly a pretty weak draft overall, so... But Tracy McGrady was in the mix. The Bulls liked him. They could have just drafted him and Chauncey Billups, Jerry paired Krause, those guys with Michael Jordan. Jerry Krause had an, an infatuation and obsession with Tracy McGrady all the way until McGrady hit free agency, flirted with the Bulls. I still remember him landing at O'Hare Airport and Benny the Bull and all the lovables and a and a marching band being there to welcome him and following him through the airport and then a caravan that took him to the Birdo Center. Jerry Krause wanted Tracy McGrady in a Bulls uniform so badly from day one of Tracy McGrady's career to the finally actually getting a legitimate shot at signing him in free agency. Mm-hmm. After that, obviously it kind of filled fizzled out because he was he was spoken for, so to speak, with a new max contract that he got. But Jerry Krause, and to his credit, that, that that's that's another sign of the genius of Jerry Krause that he saw he saw what Tracy McGrady could be when he was a scrawny 18, 19 year old kid wearing a uniform that was way too big for him coming straight out of high school. How how can a guy be that uh, that good a scout? And it sounds like because he's also a baseball scout that could have talent evaluator, and yet have the inability to to make those picks 
sign those players and step aside. It was what like, they it was what they talked about. It's unbelievable. In the doc last night, Doug, and he had little man syndrome. But you know what's so frustrating is he did make several absolutely key to your point, great moves. You know, the Pippin, the Pippin trade's a great trade. You're, you're taking this guy from what an NAIA school who, at that point in time, in that era, I'm sure a lot of teams were like, "No way!" And it's such a great pick. And then you can't just step aside and be like, "You know what? Phil's got this. I'm going to watch this. It's going to be great. We're all going to be rich." And you just have to be credited, ego man. And I mean, it's ego. true in sports across the board. I, it's just it. it it's incredible to watch that team with that player, you know, beyond a generational talent, one of the greatest players of all time, and to see that get imploded by one thing, ego. Ego and insecurity are the root of 90% of problems in the world. Forget about sports, sports and yeah. being a general manager, right. but like ego and insecurity lead to wars, ego and insecurity lead to anything and everything you can imagine except for like diseases. And cancers. Like, it's 90% of the world's problems. It can lead to the spread of diseases, though. Sure. Egos and insecurities. It can make those things worse. For sure. Yeah. So, um, I just want to know, too, like, what are some of the other observations you guys had off of it? How excited are you to watch the other eight parts? Well, hold and on. Real it- quick, before we, go, before we go there, you guys want to hear how MJ was almost not a bull and played for somebody else? Can I get the harp strings again? Please do. So, MJ, this is in 1996. So this was um, after he came back and played the partial season, and they were eliminated from the playoffs by the Orlando Magic. And then, like like I said, the, the talks of trading Scottie Pippen had gone on for a long time, and the bad blood between Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause had gone on for a long time. They eventually decide they, they are not trading Scottie Pippen. They eventually decide they're bringing back Phil Jackson, they bend to Den- to Phil Jackson's uh, request to sign Dennis Rodman or re-sign Dennis Rodman, and at the time Jordan was playing on a contract that was paying him eight million dollars a year, and they paid him that to their credit, even while he left to go play baseball. They said, "We will continue to pay you. We want to keep your rights. We'll keep paying you the eight million dollars a year." Mm-hmm. He comes back, and that's when Jerry Krause decides. For the and this is the only time Jerry Cross and Jerry Reinsdorf ever did this. They'll tear up an existing contract and negotiate a new one. So they negotiate a new deal. The deal comes to thirty million dollars per year for Michael Jordan, and this is from the Chicago Tribune. So how did they settle on a thirty million dollar contract after Jordan had floated a trial balloon of eighteen million dollars during the ninety five ninety six playoffs? At the time, Knicks center Patrick Ewing was playing a, quote, balloon season of $18 million, then the biggest one-year deal in NBA history. That's where Jordan started, and the Bulls were prepared to go to $20 million for one season as a sort of one-year payback to Jordan for the previous seasons he was underpaid, quote-unquote. But in stepped those dreaded Knicks, then owned by a partnership between ITT Sheridan and Cablevision Inc., the Knicks had maneuvered themselves well below the salary cap, about $12 million, and eventually signed free agents Allen Houston, Chris Childs, and Buck Williams. But the initial target was Jordan. We told them they could have all our cap room. Madison Square Garden President Dave Checkets acknowledged, but the talk was of a $25 million deal. The key was ITT, which is now out of the picture in New York, with Cablevision having extended its ownership. 
share to about 90% of the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. ITT owned the Sheridan Hotel chain, and the plan hatched by Jordan's agent, David Falk, was to get Jordan the Knicks $12 million in salary cap money and perhaps another $15 million for being a spokesman for such ITT companies as Sheridan. Wait a second. Yes. When the when the Timberwolves basically tried to pull this same thing with, I would say, pretty close to the same level of stardom, Joe Smith, they got slapped on the back of the hand for four first-round picks. The Bulls had believed no team <laughs> could pay Jordan Ridiculous. more than $10 million, perhaps $12 million, so their thinking was he had to return for their offer, whether it was $15 million, $18 million, or $20 million. That led up to an infamous phone call, supposedly from Falk, Jordan's agent, to Reinsdorf, although neither side would reveal the exact wording, the message was clear. The Bulls had one hour, maybe the rest of the day, to beat a $25 million offer from the Knicks, or Jordan was going to sign with New York. That would have been great. Jordan, Jordan with the, the Knicks, Knicks you, would have been so much dude, fun. I don't know, man. Oh, I would yeah. Have cried my eyes out. Oh, I don't care about you. I would have. <laughs> as a sports fan in New York in the Mecca? Oh, man, that would have been fun. So, what was the NBA salary cap situation during these days? They clearly didn't have any regard for, like, no, and, individual players. And the salaries. guy that wrecked it was KG. Because the, the lockout, I think the lockout that happened after KG signed his huge contract was driven by that contract. And owners around the league were furious. And so, previous to that, it probably was not that bad. Okay, so here, I I just pulled up NBA salary cap by year. Yep. This is where I need help. Well, here, I'll find out. Because in 1997-1998, or what year were you talking about here, Rami? That was uh, 96-97? So, between 96 and 98, the salary cap was about $25 million. And you can go over the salary cap and pay luxury tax and things like that. But Michael Jordan, at the end of his career, was making, on his own, $36 million, right? So on his own, he was $10 million over what the NBA salary cap was. This was in the offseason before the (laughs) 96-97 season. So this was 1996. Yeah, the 98... That's amazing. The uh, NBA lockout in 98 was in part driven by the fact that Garnett had gotten from the Wolves a six-year, $126 million contract which exceeded the seven-year, $121 million deal that Shaquille O'Neal had gotten from the Lakers a year before. And that lockout was largely driven by outrage about the Garnett contract. So you're telling me in 1997, the Chicago Bulls can pay one guy $10 million more than the team's salary cap, however that works. And the Timberwolves, right? and the, and the Timberwolves can't float a couple bucks to Joe Smith under the table and not lose four first-round picks. If, if, what the hell? If you come out and tell the league that, that you're cheating, I think they don't care as much. The problem was Glenn put, in, put it in the bottom of his desk in writing, and he got ratted out by, what, KG's agent or, or former agent, and all hell broke loose. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, here's, my, here's my simplest takeaway from last night. When Rami's Bulls are on the road, can they please wear red? I want the red back. I want the classic red. Do, like, do you like the Chicago cursive Chicago reds? The I like those Chicago too. Ones? I just want the red. I don't care. I like those. That's fine. I just want the red backs. Some people like the black. Uh, I, I'm not into the black as much, but the cla- that red Bulls jersey to me is a heritage sports jersey. It's fantastic. Rami, make a phone call. I'll work on it. Seriously, do you not love the red? No, I do love the red. I mean, it's I, I, classic. I like the Chicago, the curse of Chicago too. I'm fine with that. Those, those are pretty. I'm sweet. fine. I don't care if it's cursive or not. I just want the red. Here's actually my my second day take after after sleeping on this. So a week and a half ago, we did 
a wonderful storytelling rewind episode about one of the biggest wins in Timberwolves history, a regular season win, but a win that put the KG Steph Marbury era on the map. They overcame uh, a double-digit deficit in the second half to beat Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls for the first time, right? And we kind of like we we told the story and had Tom Hanneman on, and you can go listen to the episode Minnesota Sports Rewind anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Scorner app. And I wouldn't say we glossed over the fact that Scottie Pippen wasn't active because he was having foot surgery or that like Michael Jordan got an emergency call saying his mom had died. Like he rushed to the hospital. Yeah. After watching parts one and two last night and seeing just how important Scottie Pippen was to the entire operation and seeing just how much crap was happening behind the scenes with the Bulls in those first two months of the 97-98 season. I think a lot less of that Timberwolves win. <laughs> I, I do. I do. You know who doesn't? Steph Marbury, who kissed center court after uh, the clock my, expired. My conclusion is that the confetti maybe was a little over the top after know. watching parts one and two last night. I don't night. think, I mean, Stefan Marbury went on to, to glory in China. He has a statue of himself and a play written, a musical written about him in China. I don't think he's still hanging on to the win over the Bulls. That was big then, though. He's reached. But he's, then, but then he embraced it. loved it. Don't you guys think though? So, so it's a great drama to do the whole Kraus versus Pippen and Jordan stuff, and I get that. But if you're as good as that team was, and it's pretty clear, and they didn't spend a long time on this, but they used a couple of sound bites from Phil Jackson talking about this too. If you're really, really good, like the Bulls were, or there have been uh, hockey teams like this as well, and you have so many teams in your league that make the playoffs. I think you get off to a rough, tumultuous start, and, and a guy like Pippen's not playing. And the only thing that a guy like Jackson thinks is, we'll make the playoffs. So, like, they started the uh, the breakdown of that season. You know, the Bulls are off to a tear, and they're not winning on the road, and they finally beat the Clippers, and the Clippers suck. And it's meant, and it did a good job of building up the suspense about that team. But the reality, I think, in their minds at that time is, yeah, okay, we finish third instead of first. Yeah. So it's not this big, oh my God, were they going to make the playoffs or yeah, that? No, and Phil Jackson had maybe the most, to me, compelling answer or at least window into a personality when he was asked, hey, in retrospect, did Scottie Pippen handle the whole foot injury thing the right way by, as Scottie Pippen said, I ain't going to let this F up my summer. Not for these guys who are paying me how anything. How many stars have said that, too? This is not. This is a recurring yeah. theme. So Scottie Pippen, <laughs> Scottie Pippen decides to sit out the entire summer and wait until the season starts to get foot surgery to say bleep it. I mean, I'm the 120th highest paid. I'm the sixth highest player on the damn team. And I'm one of the greatest players of all time. And so he throws a little bit of a, a hissy fit in a tantrum and decides to eat into the season selfishly. And Phil Jackson's asked about it and says... I thought it was fine because if that's what he needed to do to get those thoughts out of his system to come back and eventually help us down the stretch with a push for another championship, I don't know how many coaches like people people always rag on Phil Jackson because well, I mean anyone would win titles with Michael Jordan and with Kobe Bryant. Okay, yeah, like a lot of coaches would win a title with a Michael Jordan or a Kobe to win 12 to win as many championships. Actually, it was uh, it was nine, and then he had two as a player, so nine as a coach. But to manage them correct, is like, not easy. The way that he thinks about it is not, you need to come back and play. Right. It's, oh, if that's, what, if that's what makes you feel better about the whole situation to help us when it matters, awesome. Go do your thing. I thought that was awesome. And you also could tell from the end of the second episode, too, 
that Phil had to offset Jordan because Jordan was PO'd. Mm-hmm. And Jordan did the thing that superstar players who make their payday and have a, a co-star player, so not a player of their equal, but an important player, Jordan did what those guys so often do, which is they got theirs, and then they think, why is my guy not playing? And I think where Phil was probably just a genius was was what Jordan was going to do, Phil was going to try, try to offset, because if they both pile on Scotty, you probably got big yeah. problems. Dude, by the way, the NBA was a grind in that era. You know, now it's like every team. Don't tell LeBron stands that. Every team is scoring 115 points every single night, right? In 1997, 1998, only four teams averaged 100 points, and you had a small handful of teams that didn't even average 90 points. Look, so at, the three, look it, at the threes back then. It can't be true that it was hard for Michael to play in those times because my timeline is full of people today telling me how easy the NBA was in Michael Jordan's today, and it's harder for no. LeBron now. The only argument, the the only <laughs> the only thing I'll say is that Come on, Phil. LeBron James has run, I think, has run into more difficult finals opponents than Michael Jordan did. When you look at the Warriors and when you look at the Spurs. When you have two Hall of Famers around you for two years and three Hall of Famers around you for two years and you come out with two championships, you're not the GOAT. But Simple. End how of story, we, end of argument. Again, I'll say what I've said for a, a long time. And this documentary was not released to compare uh, MJ to LeBron, but why are we bothering trying to compare eras? Go back and watch those Bulls games. Like, go back on YouTube. If you're 22 tonight, go back and pull up a Bulls game from 92 or 88, all right? And watch the style of basketball. It's basically a glorified style of basketball as we know it now, mixed with football. Like, to try and compare these eras to me is ridiculous. It's not the same game. They don't shoot threes. Watch Jordan against the Celtics trying to get to the rim. He's basically, he gets there, but he's basically hacked. Yeah, a lot of it's like that's, that 63-point game. He's just pulling up from 20 feet. This is this is what we are going to, to learn, I believe, in episode Taking three. Taking a bunch of Andrew Wiggins jumpers. Yeah. But, but hitting them. But this is what we are going to, to learn in episode three or four. When they break down the Pistons years, Jordan gets killed. Like, if you you would be ejected from the league if you treated LeBron in a playoff series like Jordan was treated by the Bill Bill Lambeer would be barred from the NBA yeah. today. So when we come back, who's the best player of all time? Michael Jordan or LeBron James? No, we're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Mike Trout, Babe Ruth. Let's go. Can we do... I know it's not... Henry Aaron. It's not cliche Mount Rushmore day. Can we do... A cliche Mount Rushmore of the most cliche sports arguments. Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore sports talker of the week. Because yes. MJ versus LeBron is that's that's up there for sure, right? Let's I'm, let's do this on. Let's for sure right. do this. Okay, later in the week. I got to give us some thought because there's got to be yeah. four great ones. So uh, we do have to get to our quarantine discoveries and what lessons would you want Minnesota athletes or teams to learn from the last dance? And I know Judd has been working since Ventline this morning, compiling different lists of potential 10-part series that we want to be done about Minnesota sports teams. We'll dive into that as well. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami here from the TCL Studios. Score North, Score North app. Score North is all in for Vikings Draft Week. It's 36 hours of purple starting Wednesday at 11 a.m. and running all the way through the first round of the NFL Draft on Thursday night. 
Yes, you heard it right. 36 straight hours of Purple Talk presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group this Wednesday and Thursday on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We did like a ceremonial, not puck drop, ball, ball drop. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Stuck in the house all weekend. No sports to watch. It makes Mackie, Judd, and Rami something something. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! Well, okay, not quite. At least not yet. It's time for Mackie, Judd, and Rami's Quarantine Discoveries. All right, welcome in. Hour two here of Mackie and Judd with Rami. And every Monday after we... Spend the whole weekend mostly walled up and uh, me drinking White Claw. Rami drinking nothing right now? Red wine? No, I told you. I uh, Friday night, it was my buddy's birthday. That's right. Down in Chicago. And so me and my group of high school buddies got together for a, a happy hour. And I indulged in a little bit too much Jameson so, so and so you, ginger ale. So you guys were just like on a Zoom call for yeah. hours? Just for, drinking? It was, like, it was like an hour and 15 minutes. And it's amazing. Really? It's amazing with, with my buddies from high school how... Whether it's in a room physically or it's on a FaceTime call, how we instantly revert back to high school dudes just cracking on each other. It was just an hour and 15 minutes of making fun of each other and laughing and having a good time. And I I needed that. I really, really needed that. It is fun, man. I indulged a little bit too much and slept 11 hours into Saturday morning. Wow. 11. Well, I can't say uninterrupted. I slept for like three hours. I got up to go to the bathroom, somehow had the presence of mind to brush my teeth, then went back to sleep for another eight hours. Just straight through, man. It, Amazing. It felt great. I'll really tell you what, did. like I've never been a huge I, I yeah, I that's my quarantine discovery. My quarantine discovery is a FaceTime hangout with my buddies because I'd, I'd never done that before. Dude, it's fun. It so was. I, I had a good one, time. Once a week, there's a couple groups of friends that sort of overlap in the Venn diagram and we will just there might be six of us, there might just be four of us and we'll fire up Zoom we will play code names or what are these like games? online trivia things and you drink wow. and stuff and it's a good time. With me and my buddies, the game is just busted on each other. Like one of the first things that one of my buddies said to another one was, Man, you got fat. Like that that was that was how we started the conversation. And this this friend of mine, he's he's one of these dudes who tracks his bike rides and will send us pictures of of his of his route. You know oh, what you know, right, Lance Armstrong. You, you know these really? people? Yeah, so we were giving him a hard time about you're doing all that biking and putting are you stopping at McDonald's on every like what are you doing to do all that biking and put on all that weight? So wait, wait, wait. So he he goes on bike rides and yeah. then tracks it and sends you guys photos? Yes. That that'd be a like former he, friend he, of Judd's old guy. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. Judd, I've known him for most of my life. If he was doing this when I first met him, we're all probably right. not the friends we are today. But at this point, he's 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 in there. So that's your quarantine discovery. Locked in. Hanging another, out with your friends on the internet. I have another quarantine discovery. Fire away. I, I rediscovered my OCD cleaning tendencies. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Oh, but, yeah. That's good. <laughs> you guys. Two weeks ago, I did this. All three of you have significant others in the house. Do you do most of the cleaning? Do they do most of the cleaning? Or is it sort of 50-50? Pretty how does, even how does 50/50. that work in your house? Pretty 50-50. Judd? She does 25%. I do 25%, and 50% of it doesn't get done. <laughs> <laughs> but I did clean my office two Saturdays a- ago, and my problem is 
when I start, yes, I go to not yeah. like it's like just, too, just man, just clean it a little bit. But instead, I'm like doing all the. I'm like, what Dude. am I doing? It's just because because then once I'm done, I won't touch it again for two years. Jonathan, what's it like in your house? Uh, I make the mesh, and my wife and my kid end up cleaning. It. Okay. Oh, yeah. My entire- I clean it up a little bit. Good but- for you, man. <laughs> Uh, no, not good. For Jonathan's the guy who runs his house, not runs around his house. <laughs> no. Well, that makes one of us. No, 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 no. Because no. <laughs> I don't run Definitely don't house. run that. Well, I live alone in a 700-square-foot apartment, and I spent three and a half hours on Saturday cleaning a 700-square-foot apartment. What? Yeah. What? Yep. How Just long? Three and a half hours. What? Were you scrubbing every... Vacuuming, dusting, wiping down any... Below the cer- couch? Any, I went behind the couch. Did you move the couch? The ca- I moved the couch. If you moved the couch, you're all I in. I moved the couch. Bravo, I went, Rami. Wiped down every flat surface and everything that my hands touch in the place with moving a Clorox the couch, wife. Moving the couch is terrifying. It is it, Moving the couch cushions is terrifying. Oh, Especially so. if you have pets. Just all the stuff, like, you never know what's good, like what food items are oh, going to be no. back there. It's quarantine discovery. Oh, <laughs> Interesting. Oh. oh, you can find tennis balls in there. No. I found hockey Dude. pucks, lint balls. A finger. Like, who knows? The yeah. amount of foods it, and gummy bears you find pe- in the couch after a kid is amazing. Slice of pizza. If you have pets oh. and you move the couch, you might think you have another pet back there because just yes. giant balls of hair collect <laughs> behind, yes. behind another underneath your couch. So I went ham on the cleaning on so, Saturday. So Rami's quarantine discoveries are hanging out with his friends on the internet and cleaning. And my OCD. I rediscovered my OCD. <laughs> so, so boys, I, well, full disco- disclosure, first off, in the fall, I didn't rake, okay? So the leaves... Oh, no. Neither does Joe Maurer. Oh! Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Buddy, how could you do wow. that? No, He's a, never coming back yeah, on another one of you. No, it was a joke. It was a easy joke. meeting goodness. and everything. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So I didn't rake. And so so I, I've called a place to come to clean up the leaves around in our front and backyard. Uh, but on Saturday, it was gorgeous outside, right? And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go rake, which I obviously hate doing. So I got out there, and our yard's not huge. But I didn't rake the back, but I raked the front lawn pretty good. I did a nice job. I raked the, the, the leaves from by the house where we can plant flowers. I raked the entire yard itself. And I wore gloves. But I'm going to show Phil. Oh, I, wow. I've got a, a bleeder here. I've got a bleeding blister. Oh, this is This is why, if you can see this, video if you're watching on our video stream, hold we're on wearing a second gloves? here. I was wearing That's right. gloves. Judd is showing you an open wound and on I the still, video stream. In yes. case you're wondering what you're missing you're out You're sitting on. about six feet Quar- away from some good luck, buddy. Quarantine discovery, this is why Judd doesn't rake. <laughs> I should have waited for the guy. Okay, were you wearing gloves? Co- yes, I was wearing gloves. That's what I keep saying. I was wearing gloves, and I still have this big blister that hurts like L. After trying to be a good guy and rake. If you put a little athletic tape around that, you'll be able to get yeah, right back fine. to raking. I put a fine. I put a, uh, a Band-Aid on, but because it's by my thumb, where I move my thumb a lot, obviously, it doesn't tape. Yeah, it athle- doesn't Athletic stay. tape. you gotta it wrap, got to wrap it in athletic tape. Anyway, my quarantine discovery is that I was smart being lazy and trying to be proactive and rake was stupid. <laughs> amazing. So I'm back to the couch. <laughs> I'm, I'm IL'd. In baseball parlance, I'm back on so, the injured so list. So to this point, our quarantine discoveries are the internet, cleaning, and raking. Am I, am I adding yeah. these up correctly? And booze. You got it right. <laughs> and booze for Rami. Yeah, Said Rami he, rediscovered drinking. Rediscovered over the alcohol. Drank too much Jameson. Well, gentlemen, I discovered 
among other things. But the most important thing I discovered this weekend was a new show produced by Vice TV. And I think when I say new, I think it's into season two here. So it, this goes back like a year, but they're, but they're releasing season two week by week. It's called Dark Side of the Ring. And they go through this, like yeah. all of the dark yeah. and creepy professional wrestling stories in history. So the ones I've watched so far, a two-part special on the Chris Benoit double murder suicide. Dude, I, I saw Boy. that and I couldn't. I just it I just is can't. unbelievable. That's, that's such a tragic story, man. In Dude, so many ways, really. Chris Benoit double murder wow. and suicide of his wife and child. Hmm. One of the great professional wrestlers of all time. Uh, the other two episodes I watched, Jimmy Snuka. You guys remember Superfly Jimmy Snuka? Yeah, he wrestled barefoot, Superfly, jumped Jimmy off Snuka. the cage from the yeah, top, right? Absolutely. So Jimmy Snuka was a top star in the late 70s, early 80s. And according to all of the different just deep dives and investigations, he murdered his girlfriend, it sounds like. Like, pretty ironclad murdered his girlfriend in 1983, Nancy Argentino. And everybody covered it up, including the WWE. And he finally, I think he went to jail or was convicted of like third degree murder or something by the time he was old. This is a few years ago, like, I don't know, five or ten years ago. But yeah. they do a deep dive into one of the WWE's biggest stars from the 80s at his peak, killing his girlfriend. And that, there's a bunch of these episodes. The other one that I found fascinating, there's the Montreal Screwjob. <laughs> which is awesome. I love that name. But... uh the other one was about a wrestler named, uh, I can't remember his name now, Brody, oh my God, now I'm blanking, because mm-hmm. it's not listed in the episodes here, but he was one of the top, oh, Bruiser Brody, Bruiser Brody, I found it here. Bruiser Brody was like a monster bad guy, psychotic like monster bad guy in the late 70s into the 80s, and was like was sort of hated behind the scenes and would ruffle feathers. And he was doing a show down in Puerto Rico in 1988 and got murdered, stabbed to death in the locker room before the show started. But everybody worked to co- like all the Puerto Ricans worked to cover it up. And so it's the story of like how the top bad guy in the industry at the time got murdered. Where can in I Puerto find Rico. this? It's, you can uh, Who's got Vice TV and their website, or if you have Vice TV, you can just watch it on demand. Viceland, I think, is the channel. Okay. On Xfinity. And what's it called again? It's called Dark Side of the Ring. They it's were awesome. They were hyped. They were doing a bunch of promo. Like it was all over my Twitter timeline before the Chris Benoit episode. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I can't I can't bring myself to watch the Chris Benoit one. It's too tragic and too sad. Just any any harm to children or animals or women is just something that like repulses me. And I just I can't handle it. Um, but I was like, may- maybe I'll get into this after the Chris Benoit episode. It seems like an interesting premise to a show. And then I just forgot all about it because they stopped promoting as heavily as they did to start the season with Benoit. They've got another one coming up at some point here. I think May, it looks like May 19th, the Owen Hart tragedy. That's going to be an episode. So they're No really one's really going to dive into that at all. The Owen big Hart. stuff. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. So uh, wait, wait, are you telling me Vince McMahon has been involved in maybe... One, if not two, if not more, huge cover-ups throughout the history of WWF turned WWE. There's been a lot of shady stuff. I can't. A I can't imagine. I can't. I, I will not hear this. 
No, this could never happen. Jonathan, mute no. his mic. He's we a win. fine, upstanding business He's man. a Dude. commissioner of wrestling. The crazy thing about the Benoit. <laughs> He's on the president's council to reopen the country. There's no way he could be a bad dude, okay? And didn't didn't Vince McMahon's wife like wire $18 million to the... I think she wired $18 million to like the Florida government or something a week before they deemed mm. wrestling an essential business or something Weird. shitty. Anywho, oh, um, hey, I so couldn't have ever, on, never the, on the Chris Benoit double murder and suicide, the crazy thing is the week before that happened on Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. they ran an angle where Vince McMahon was killed in a car explosion, like on oh, live that's TV. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that. they killed Vince McMahon off on TV in 2007, the week before this happened. Wow. And so this happens on a Sunday. And they open up Monday Night Raw the next Monday, and Vince McMahon's just in an empty arena in the ring trying to explain some things are storylines, like me getting blown up in a limo last week. I remember that. Other things are not storylines. The Chris Benoit thing is not a storyline. This is real. Just want everyone to know that this is real. It's very creepy. Last week I told you guys I'm going back and watching all the Marvel movies in Mm -hmm. chronological storyline order. So, so far... uh, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man Two, and Thor. I've watched. I've watched all of those. Jonathan, I'm going to go to you on this one. Okay. You're the fellow nerd on the show. In this list that I have, between Iron Man Two and Thor, they have Incredible Hulk. Is that is that all part of the same universe? Because that was that was not a Marvel made movie. It was a Sony made version of the Incredible Hulk, and it wasn't even Mark Ruffalo. It was Ed Norton who was playing. The yeah, Incredible it's in the Hulk. MCU. Do the stories, do the storylines cross? Do I need to go and find this Incredible Hulk and watch that, or is Tony that Stark shows up at the end? So yeah. Oh damn it! All right. I got a question. I can't believe I'm going to ask a damn question it. about this, but I yeah, am. I can't. It's in there. It, it's they just Disney Plus. I can't believe. I'm... I don't know. It. I know it's in the. It's in the universe because okay. they just changed the actors. I got a question. Edward Norton cost too much for both of, of you guys. Off of this, I can't believe I'm saying this. Does Norton play Bruce Banner? And the Hulk? Yes. Yes. Well, wait, how did Ed Norton play the Hulk? Because, Judd, they CGI. Uh, it's CGI. So it's... See, in my day, boys, The Incredible Hulk, CBS Friday Nights, you had... Was this Lou Ferrigno? Lou Ferrigno. He makes oh, by the way, Lou, in the movie. Lou Ferrigno, I think, legitimately competed in the World's Strongest he Man did. competition. No, he, he did. did. Yeah. He yeah. did. And and then Bill Bixby, right? Bill Bixby. Played um, Banner. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did yeah. Banner. Yes, Bill absolutely. Bixby. Yeah, Ooh, but now, now we have uh, technology. So yeah. Oh, so we, we can make the Incredible Hulk we make look like him. the Incredible Hulk and not really just the green Mark body Ruffalo was just walking around in the last Avengers movies just as jacked. the Hulk? I don't know. That's why I Mark asked Ruffalo you guys. I said I can't believe I'm asking this geeky type of question, it's but not, I'm going to ask I mean, it. I mean, Nor- I'm a fellow it's nerd not Ed now. Norton painted green, Judd. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's, it's see, this is not. See, if you can't do the real thespian it's, stuff, then you shouldn't be doing it's it. It's a CGI. No, Hulk that's a bunch of crap. With, you know what that like, is? Ed it's Norton's 80s facial character music with with those drum beat things that weren't real. It's not going Tom when they Hardy got, on it and just when they got rid of real drummers. Million pounds of muscle. Now, you guys, you should be out on this. If it's not real, you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> I might go watch Incredible Hulk tonight. <laughs> Edward Norton. I like it. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. That's right. The NFL ran its own mock draft today (laughs) in preparation for the Thursday first ever Zoom NFL draft, which you can hear as part of 36 straight hours of Purple Talk here on Score North. 
starting at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, running all the way through the aforementioned draft on Thursday night. But the feedback was mostly a disaster. In fact, the Cincinnati Bengals took 20 minutes to make their pick off the top. (laughs) Several several GMs complained of internet and connectivity issues, including one GM (laughs) on the phone with Diana Russini from ESPN saying his kids were playing on their iPads and taking up all the bandwidth and he had to yell at them to shut off their internet devices so he could go forward this draft with the is mock draft. Be so good, man. I know. I can't this wait. This draft is going to be amazing. Never yeah, been this excited guys, for the first round in my life. But why is this so complicated in that for years and years, drafts in all the leagues were held on conference call? Right. right? So are we... My question is, are they testing this out for internal communications? Or are they testing this out for each GM to like be on a live Zoom yeah, NFL Network and ESPN. Dude, there are so many moving parts here. Did yeah. you guys read the piece from uh, from the Athletic? Like, for, forget the thirty two teams that are all on video conference and have a backup conference call just in case their internet crashes for remote hookups. This is from the article at the Athletic today. Fifty eight prospects were sent iPhones, lights, and microphones, as well as instructions on how to use them. Between the players fans, and NFL personnel, the league will be utilizing well over 150 remote feeds at once, according to Michelle McKenna, the NFL's chief inf- chief information officer who is overseeing the tech aspects of the draft. In the past, that number has been 10. They increased it by 15-fold. That well, seems and, problematic. And if you're a team, so the GM, I think, is the point person at home, but he has to communicate with his coach, his his chief scout executive, that type of guy. Like, let's say, let's say, Rick Spielman just internally has to communicate with probably at least what six to ten people, yeah, potentially, and then he has to get the information to the league itself, and and then Goodell, who's going to be this is my favorite in his basement in New York, has to then announce the pick. This is going to be great. But it's going to be just chaos. Here, here's another paragraph from that article. During the draft, spouses might be discouraged from streaming Tiger King, and the kids may have to forsake playing Fortnite, as the league has cautioned team executives about others in the house using too much bandwidth, which could slow down internet speed. I want a GM's video feed to just flip to Fortnite at some point in this draft. I just want or, to... or or worse if if it's a kid who's like eighteen. <laughs> Um, here's my, here, here is 18. what the league, you wait till, or, four, or 14 or so, here's what no, the, I'm good, I'm good without the 14 year old, <laughs> here's what the league, I don't know, okay, I don't have kids, I don't know when, I don't know when it starts now, um, before 18, okay, I, I don't know, I, I mean, back in my days, it was magazines and stuff After like that, after 14 though, <laughs> okay, 15, it's not illegal, Anyway, it's just weird. Uh, yes, it's weird. A lot of things are weird. I think it's all it's different for everybody. We all mature at a different pace. So what I would do though, or what the league should have, have done, is if is if a GM or a coach has a kid who is, let's say, between the ages of ten and twenty and at home, I would pay the kid to sit by dad to help. Because kid has a lot better chance if something goes offline or wrong to fix it than dad does. I'm dead serious. I would cut a check to a kid in each family, if you have one, and say this is a technology check. 
I mean, what are like, like, what's the worst that could happen though? I feel like we're over exaggerating. First of all, do we need 150 remote well, feeds to produce the TV version of this? I don't know. Why can't we just get a couple, get, get Kuiper, McShay, and Odds the Belichick goes phone. Odds the Belichick goes phone. Yeah, like, what, what's wrong with, or can't everyone just be on like G Chat? Here, all right, here's the, who's the, who are the six people we really need to make these picks and do this draft, all right? Everybody else, get your information in. The six of us are going to be on G Chat. Yeah, you're right. And uh, and as a backup, we'll text each other and be on each other's phones. I don't know. It seems like we're overcomplicating took this. The Bengals. I'm glad they're overcomplicating it. I'm here for the chaos, man. The NFL draft has been way too sterile and way too formatic for way too long. I'm here for the chaos. I'm 100%. This adds another element of entertainment to it. Absolutely. They're all going to get the same players that they were going to get anyways. It's just more chaos and more entertainment for us to TV viewer. It took the Bengals 20 minutes to make the first overall pick in a mock draft. This is going to be outstanding. Enjoy it. Diana Rossini Rossini said they had all 32 teams on a conference call and nobody was muting it. (laughs) So so they have the same problems that literally everybody else has when they're on Zoom calls. This is going to be great. I can't wait. The Bengals are like, hold on, we're just we're still trying to track down Joe Burrow. I'm more into the chaos. He has internet problems. I'm more into the chaos and all the moving parts than I am the actual draft itself. I'm not even going to lie to you, you guys. I am here for this. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I want to mock. 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 I want to mock. Mock. Yep. And and. 36 straight hours of purple talk leading into the potential train wreck draft. We are all in this week on Score North and the Score North app starting at 11 a.m. on Wednesday and running all the way through the first round of the NFL draft on Thursday. 36 straight hours of purple talk on am1500scorenorth.com and the Score North app. And that is not all. The Draft K 1K giveaway is in effect starting right now up until the draft starts on Thursday night. We are giving away $1,000 to somebody who correctly predicts who the Purple will select with their first pick in the draft. Entering is very easy. You just have to open the Score North app or download it if you don't already have it. Register and enter through listener rewards in the menu. And you can just enter the player you think will be drafted. Just follow the directions once you get into the contest. So the draft, K1K, the draft day 1K giveaway on the Score North app and 36 hours of Purple Talk this week here on Score North. Uh, We'll come back with a couple local tie-ins to The Last Dance when we come back. And also, we'll wrap with Roycey on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Powered in part by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated wants to express their gratitude for your American spirit and all of the medical professionals and rescue workers for your service and everything you've done over the past couple of months and everything you will continue to do going forward. And also, thank you to our local businesses it's been such a challenge, especially for small businesses right now in the state of Minnesota and around the country. And uh, those local businesses are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. You can visit federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need as a business owner. Resources like written pandemic policies and procedures, recommended response plans, communications to employees. All of these things are very important during this time. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours.
Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North is giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts the first draft pick by the Purple in this week's draft. It's called the Draft Day 1K Giveaway. Here's how you can win. Download and, and open the Score North app. Register your app and enter to win in listening rewards and follow the, direct, the directions for the Draft Day 1K Giveaway. That's on the free Score North mobile app over at Score North. Com. Right now we've got your draft coverage from Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad's articles discussing how the Vikings draft strategy this weekend will tell us everything we need to know about their plans going forward. Matthew Collar takes a look at the mid to late round quarterbacks worth the shot for the Vikings. And then Matthew Collar and Eric Eager have released Chapter 3 of their 20 greatest journeyman quarterback seasons of all time. This time going through the 10th and 10th to 6th best journeyman seasons of all times. That includes a Vikings quarterback or two. So go check that out over at scorenorth.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judith Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. On Saturday, we unveiled a Mackie and Judd with Rami YouTube channel. And we'd love if you would give us a subscription if you're into YouTube and such. Um, we're, we need to get to 100 subscribers before we can have like an actual... They don't let you do like YouTube.com slash Mackie Judd Rami or whatever until you get to 100 subscribers. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'd like to get to 100 as fast as we can. You can help us get there by just going to my Twitter account, at Phil Mackie, and see the pinned tweet. And I've got a link to our YouTube channel. But we've got a happy hour from last night recapping the last dance parts one and two. We've got Action Movie Rewind up and write that down from last week. And we're going to try and post something every single day on our YouTube channel. And we're going to be super active in the comments. So check it out if you're uh, if you're into YouTube or even if you're not and you're just looking for new things during this quarantine period, we have launched a Mackie and Jeb with Rami YouTube channel. So go to my Twitter account, at Phil Mackie, and just click on the YouTube link on the pinned tweet there. Help us get to 100. It would be super fun if we could get to 100 and we could actually like name our YouTube channel something and keep keep growing from there. So, Judd, you spent much of Ventline, and I saw you tweeting uh, earlier today and yesterday. What are some other good suggestions for ten part series that we, as Minnesota sports fans here, would be interested in diving into? What were some of the? I know, I know, your suggestion is the two thousand nine Vikings. Two thousand nine, fully agree. Yeah, with. because there, there's a lot of really good potential documentaries from sports in this town and sports teams, right? But those are hour long, two hour. So let's talk about multi part. Where where to me the key thing is it needs to be a really compelling team with a superstar player. Yeah, and by that I mean a Jordan type of player. So not just oh that guy was good. Like like I think a, a documentary on the eighty seven or ninety one Twins is fun. And Puckett was a great player, but he was a baseball player. I don't think he transcended the sport. And so I don't think that a Twins documentary that goes for five to ten hours is going to be consumed by the general public. But the 2009 Vikings, to me, meets every threshold. All right? Every one. One, it's a compelling team. And it's a good team. Two, it adds it adds a rock star quarterback. And make no mistake, Brett Favre was a rock star. Like, Brett Favre is known in Wisconsin. He's known in the U.S. He's known in Canada. He's known in... In Europe, I I once met some guys from Ireland at a bar in Green Bay on a Saturday night who said, we are here to see number four. That's why we're here. It's been our life's goal. So Brett Favre basically took the sport and upped the sport to a rock star level. Now, if you take 
as a documentary. If you take 2008, the Vikings' pursuit of Favre as Favre is being let go by Green Bay, and Favre went to the Packers and said, I want out, and I don't think he had the fact that he said, if you're not going to take me back, trade my rights to the Vikings. And they're like, like no way. That's where the documentary would have to start. Exactly. Right? Like, so, I, we need to know what happened in those conversations. Exactly. Exactly. But if you go back to the 16-year Green Bay Packer legend who was hated here and now wants to play here. So it starts in 2008 with that. It starts with the Jared Allen trade as far as the Vikings building up a team that would uh, crescendo in the 2009 NFC title game. If you start it then, so basically, from Favre's standpoint, you probably start the documentary with the last pass that he threw in the 2007 um, title game championship conference against the Giants that gets picked off, right? So you take 2008 and all of that, and then he obviously goes to the Jets. The Vikings go to the playoffs, but they're not great. Um, 2009, but then it would need to go through the end in 2010. Because if you're doing a multi-part documentary series, the return of Randy Moss here, and I'm talking about you would need to get everything that happened. Now, now the one thing where this Bulls, um, The Last Dance, has a distinct advantage is they've got film that has not been seen, that my guess is the Vikings 2009 into 10 season was not documented like that. But think about this one, you guys. If you get an episode on the whole Moss thing, Moss coming back here, and it's a complete mess, and Childress releases him without telling the people that own the team, and that ultimately cost Brad his job, and then down to Brett laying on the turf at TCF Bank Stadium because the roof collapsed. So if you encapsulated 2008, 9, and 10 into five to eight parts of a documentary with Brett Favre starring, basically, I think you have a documentary that not just people here and in Green Bay would watch, but sports fans across the globe. You're watch. saying you're saying a documentary on the whole Packers divorce and him yes. ending up here in Minnesota, and then the crescendo with him playing against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, yeah. and but through 2010, which turned out to be a complete, True. you know, complete debacle, and then um, Allen and Hutchinson. And Longwell flying to Hattiesburg I think to get him out of retirement. There's think, just so many. I think there's a three stories. parter there. I don't know, but dude, a ten part documentary. Probably series? not ten, but I think I could get five pretty easy. Can it's it's not Minnesota. Mackie, do you have a Minnesota one? Because I have a I have a non Minnesota one that maybe I want to ask Judd if this could fill ten parts. I mean, anything involving Brett Favre would be super high on my list, but I, I actually think. There's probably something there about the 1998 through 2000 Vikings, like the best offense in the NFL through the early part of the Randy Moss era. But Judd nailed the one that would be most ripe for a multi-part series, 2009 Vikings. So what's your what's your non-Minnesota one? I just read a tweet a few minutes ago that when Wayne Gretzky retired from the NHL 20 years ago, he held 61 individual records. You guys want to guess how many of those 61 individual records still stand today? I saw the tweet, so... Mac, you want to take a guess? I mean, is it 55? 60. <laughs> 60? Oh, what's, yeah. what's the one that... I don't, I don't know. They didn't They didn't list them off. They just, they just tweeted the fact that I just quoted to you. 61 individual records. 60 of them still stand. But, Judd, was there the drama? Was there the narrative? Was there the storyline to Wayne Gretzky's life and career? that there is to Michael Jordan and that Last Dance Bulls team to fill 10 hours of content? I don't know about that, but there was the the uh, trade where, where he's dealt from the Oilers to the Kings in 89, I believe. 
And that's pr- uh, pretty good. That was made into a uh, th- 30 for 30 that's really, really compelling. But does that reach 10 hours? I'm telling you on the Favre Vikings 2008, 9, and 10, I think I could easily get five five to eight episodes. Ten episodes is an incredible amount. Yeah. Gretzky, Gretzky was the Jordan of hockey. That being said, I don't know if there would be a hook that, that would get casual sports fan. Which I think I think casual sports fan is going to watch this Bulls documentary. I think this goes well beyond. I really love basketball. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you get six million viewers like the numbers came out I from agree. last night. And, and like, are there six million to hardcore sports fans? I mean, there's more than that. But I think you got some casual ones last night for sure because yeah. it was Michael Jordan and because it was the most recognizable dynasty team really in any... I mean, the Cowboys are up there from the 90s, too. And because but, we're desperate to watch something good. Right, exactly. Pat, were you were you watching The Last Dance last night? No, I did not watch it. Uh, ten hours too much for me. I'm not... Uh, I'm not you're not going to get me for ten hours. Get me... Uh, uh, if, if he ever, if they ever do an hour on him playing baseball and being out there flailing like an idiot, then I'll watch that. But uh, wait a second, okay, hold on. I got I got two beefs with Pat right off the bat. One, MJ stepped in and was a much better ball player than almost anybody could do in that situation when he tried to go play baseball. <laughs> he was and, awful. and two. I Two, he couldn't start for the Meesville Mudheads. I saw you tweet yesterday that you were so bored you would you would have liked to go to church, but you couldn't you couldn't watch you couldn't watch the last dance. If it was a two hours, yes, I'd watch a two hour documentary on <laughs> it. But I'm not doing ten. Why would I do ten? Okay, not, how many? How you know, many? How many series? World War Two. I'll do ten on World War Two. <laughs> I'll do ten on uh, you know if Ken Burns does it, I. I do a lot of those Ken Burns ones, but uh, this just doesn't. I, I I don't have ten hours of interest in Michael Jordan. Here's your oh, here's your here's your ten part World War Two documentary. Hitler was a bad guy, and we won. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was Jerry Cross's uh, fault too, by the way. <laughs> there was also uh, that other country involved in the fellas going through the South Pacific. Too. So you, you can't forget that one. The three parter. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, I I'm just not that. I'm not a big Jordanophile. He was a great player, and uh, but I'm great player, mediocre human being, and uh, you know. But he changed. I'd say he changed marketing more than anything. He, he, if if you want to know where his number one influence is, it's uh, what he did to the shoe business and the apparel business. I would say probably. Uh, more than you know, he certainly was a great asset to the NBA. But the uh, what he did for what he did for Nike and apparel was uh, was astronomical. But uh, I, I don't have ten hours of interest in him. I'm sorry, I, I'm just not that intrigued by him. That's the upset of the century. I would have thought. I know that you're an against the grain guy, but I wouldn't have thought that that applied to the Michael Jordan documentary. <laughs> I'd rather watch five hours on Wilt myself. I thought I'd Wilt to be with without the ten thousand ladies or whatever it was. That's gonna uh, say Wilt. I, would, I, I always found Wilt to be a more fascinating character, but Wilt, of course, is way ahead of your tip of the time for all of you guys. But uh, I know I would if if they if they came out with a five parter on Wilt, I'm in. Well, right now you watch anything. I'd yeah. watch a two parter on Wilt just to counter Pat. No, I mean, you won't it, watch it, MJ. It, it, Ten hours. I'm not doing ten hours. Sorry. So what? How do I know when to start watching? I, I hate to start watching something I can't. Uh, you know, I, I can't. I know I'm not going to finish. So I, I, I just can't do ten hours. Sorry. You want us to let you know when it gets really good? Is that what you're saying? Good last night. <laughs> it was really good last so night. What is this? 
what is this? Just is, is this supposed to be his whole career? Or just the Bulls period? That when he comes back to the Bulls, what is it? It's not just about Jordan. It's about it's about the last run of that Bulls team, that ninety seven ninety eight season, and how they got where they got. Why it was Phil Jackson's oh, last year, all the tumultuousness between Scotty and the organization. We haven't even gotten to Dennis Rodman yet. That's going to be fascinating. They kind of jump back and forth between these guys' history and and then that 97-98 season. Uh, sorry, not that interesting. <laughs> I'm not trying to I, sell you I anymore. No, no. I, I mean, you just asked. Robbie described I'm it. Trying to, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I'm not trying to be a jerk. i just not that interested. That doesn't, doesn't do that much for me. There's a lot of other sports teams that uh, I would be uh, more interested in, but there's no single sports team in the history of America, that you get me to watch a 10-hour documentary. Okay, what is the number one sports team, whatever your limit is, let's say it's two hours, okay? What is the number one sports team that you'd love to know more about over the course of a two-hour, well-produced documentary? Well, that's, you're doing that off the top of my head. It would be, uh, it would be, a, little, uh, it would be a little difficult to uh, jump into that right now. I'd, I'd have to think about that and give you my answer on Wednesday. Okay. What, what, my most 96 twins. <laughs> yeah, the 96 Pat's, Pat's saying the 96 twins. I can there's, feel it. There's some meat on that bone. There's some meat on that bone. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, you know, I, I, you know what? I, uh, I do like, I, I'd watch two arms on the, on the farm Vikings 2009. That's what we're saying. Yeah. And then the, in the 2010, but, uh, you know, just how it, how it worked so great and then blew up completely because we brought the moron back. Moss and uh, yeah, that'd be a good. I'd watch two hours on that one, yeah. you know. But I'm not doing ten. Sorry, I'm not doing ten. I said five. <laughs> I said about five. Yeah, I can't do five. Two thousand eight, nine, and ten five. Vikings. I don't know. You know what? I'd hell rather spend two hours watching the scheme, which is fantastic on HBO. The uh, documentary on the alleged uh, the the huge investigation of. Uh, of college corruption and the FBI and the I read your thing, yeah. district of New York was going to bring down college basketball, and they ended up convicting Christian Dawkins, you know, who's a was just a guy who gave some money to parents and uh, and clothes, so that once they were done playing college ball, they would maybe sign with his agency. He wasn't even giving them money to go to various uh, schools. He was uh, he was giving them money so that they would stay loyal to him when they went to the NBA. So is this it, is this from a couple of years that. ago? Is this where they were? Yeah, they, yeah, 2017 is when they charged them all. And uh, this Christian Dawkins kid, you, you got to watch this. It's great. He's a, he was he was like 21 year old agent, and he had two first rounders in 2014, Alfred Payton and uh, Rodney Hood, and then he got hired by the by the shady uh, Andrew Andy Miller. And then he ended up, the FBI tried to set him up to, uh, the FBI comes out looking a lot worse than uh, he does in this. In this so, thing. Patrick, what cha- but, what changed there? So, because what, what went from, from all those indictments being filed, and we thought coaches might go to jail. Oh, they were all going to go down, and they ended up getting four assistant coaches. Yeah. Uh, who just took some money from Adidas or something. But, uh, it, yeah, they were going to get them all, and somebody... Somebody got to somebody because they pulled the punches. And when Christian Dawkins was on trial, 
not only did the lead investigator of the FBI and the, the two lead investigators for the FBI, neither were uh, made to testify, which means that you know his, they couldn't be cross-examined. He, they tried to te- they tried to subpoena uh, subpoena Patino, uh, Sean Miller, Will Wade, who was a beauty, and uh, I can't remember who the fourth was. They would not uh, they would not. Uh, the, the judge ruled them out. The judge was in the pocket of the prosecutors, mm. and the, the way it looks, it, it, you got to watch it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's uh, that that uh, they uh, how they basically, if the FBI charges you with something, take the first plea they offer you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, they just basically. Uh, Railroad, you have no chance to have a defense. Pat, I, I forgot what movie it was, but it was it, the FBI was was involved, and somebody in it said the FBI only asks you questions that they already know the answers to. <laughs> well, they didn't know the answers here, though. They got sold this bill of goods by a fr- a financial fraudster named Blazer, uh, Maury Blazer, who was going to jail, and he said. I can bring you some of the biggest coaches in college basketball on a, you know, and we, we could run this thing. And he basically got himself off that and then ended up, I mean, they, they gave him no, no prison time. He sold him the bill of goods on this thing and then nothing ever happened. So how many parts is it? It's just one, two hours, two hours. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. We can do that. I can watch two hours of the steam. I can watch two hours in the last hour of the polls. That's it. <laughs> so you guys got to tell me which two hours we will. To watch. We'll watch I all ten. Get, we'll watch all I ten from ten. No chance. Levitard and Greenberg both said as good as the first two hours were last night, they're the worst two hours of the ten that, that will really? be put out. So they got yes. their hands on the whole really? thing at once? Yeah. yeah, they got an advanced copy. Wow. So this, if, if it wasn't the middle of a pandemic, though, there's no way they'd put ten hours on. They no, this was planned. Shaved. This was already no, planned. They would have shaved that baby down to about four hours. No, no, they announced this, this almost... pandemic no, they announced this, I think, in don't 2019. Come on, Ron, Pat, don't stop that, that, that this was going to be a 10-part series. Yeah, well, okay. Have a good time, fellas. I'm, I'm <laughs> I will. I have to. I am wired in on Killing Eve. I just discovered Killing Eve about three days ago. This is a fantastic TV series. It's about a... Uh, have, you, have you guys heard about this? I think Dawn watches FX, it. XX. XF. It's a psychopathic 25-year-old female assassin who's fantastic. She's good. If her, so if, I, if, I if her name is Dennis Rodman, Rami is in. Does she ever know Jordan? All you, Jerry all you dummies watching the Bulls, turn that off, go to Hulu, Watch Kelly, Kelly, Eve. You'll be. I love how we're all acting like. Well, we've only got a few hours of precious time to devote to TV. It's either this or that. Hulu. Guess who got that last week? The Zolgads. As if we needed another network. You do. No, we got it. Dawn started watching something last night. I had to say, clear out for the Bulls thing. She was as excited as you are by it. Well, no, I'm not. No, it's fine. I don't go ahead. Six million Americans. Congratulations. I'm just not that fascinated by it. I'm sorry. Right, what Pat, do you want me to do? We'll bet it. We'll give you the two <laughs> yeah, best episodes. We'll I'll talk, talk to you tomorrow, all right? right Noon. Unchained. Don't forget, we're taping. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. That was the classic quintessential Patrick Rice. Okay, the, there's a lot of stuff to sift through there. <laughs> yeah, you want to. When, when Pat's. You're post show podcast on it? When Pat said, I know I'm sometimes a contrarian, but I'm not being a contrarian this time. That is the biggest lie he's ever told on Rapping with Rice. He's being a contrarian. When everyone I mean, is doing something, I his instinct sa- is to do something else. I feel the same way about Game of Thrones. You watch Game of Thrones? Never interested me. Well, Game of Thrones is like eight seasons. Never too, for one so. second did I consider put turning on Game of Thrones. I don't totally get you either, by the way. Who me? Yeah, Why? like I'm sure because you strike me as a Game of Thrones guy. Every my brother this week had asked me what I thought of The Wire, and I told him I didn't watch it, and he was shocked. He was blown away. He just assumes I've seen every TV show. I think most people who know me just it feels like you have. I've seen every TV yeah. show. Listen, hey, uh, thanks for the the YouTube boost during this last thirty minutes. We're trying to get to a hundred subscribers. Go to at Phil Mackey on Twitter and just click on the YouTube link and uh, subscribe to our new Mackey and Jump with Rami YouTube channel. We're back tomorrow. As always, Rapping with Royce is powered by Josh Arnold Investments, Judd Indeed it is, and that's because it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct. His number is 952-925-5608, or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Hi, Josh. Judd. Hope you had a good good weekend, and I'll probably join join the crowd. I thought the last dance was tremendous. It was fascinating, well done. Can't wait for the next two episodes. So I don't think that I am a contrarian. I definitely don't think that I'm a contrarian when it comes to, well, maybe I am a little bit of a contrarian when it comes to in investing is my model portfolio is positive for the year versus the S&P 500 down 13.3% and the Dow Jones down 18% for the year. It's very nice to be positive for the year, primarily because we've continued to work the strategy that I've been describing, not only on this program, but on my Money Talk program for decades of keeping up to 30% in cash, keeping up to 30 to 60% in value-oriented stocks, and the balance used in growth companies and for trading. The theme that has been working uh, at least this year uh, is the focus on stay-at-home, work-at-home types of stocks, which do include some of the uh, mega-names, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon, though I am not a holder of Google as I believe advertising is going to continue to be tough and Google and Facebook generate the bulk of their revenue from advertising. Advertising rates are down. As a matter of fact, when Amazon reports their numbers um, over the next week, you will notice that Amazon's advertising uh, revenue is is going to be down, but Av- Amazon's overall revenues are going to be up. Indeed, Amazon continues to increase the number of Prime subscribers, which has been a big boost for them. Amazon finished uh, $2,400, just shy of an all-time high. 
Indeed, some of the other companies that are in the stay-at-home, work-at-home category did hit some new highs, including Akamai, Okta, Walmart, and Shopify. Shopify is a small Canadian company that helps smaller uh, retailers get on to the Internet, and shopping from the Internet is big and probably will continue to be big. It's one of the themes that I've been uh, working on and focusing on for several decades, and I think that 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 should continue. Tomorrow night, Netflix reports uh, their their earnings. Netflix has gotten several upgrades, uh, and we and could be. Uh, on the move again after they report tomorrow. Uh, do be prepared with some of these companies like a Netflix that have had some strong runs that there might be some profit taking on their earnings reports um, as uh, some some investors might be looking and saying, well, there's not much more that's going to happen. But with the stay-at-home, work-at-home economy, companies like a Netflix or a Roku or Amazon or the Microsoft or an Akamai or Okta or even a Walmart or the Shopify uh, could well continue uh, to be more positive than negative. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.